Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Fallout Roundtable. This is a place where diverse individuals discuss various topics from the Fallout universe. Join us, the conversation has already started. Welcome to the Fallout Roundtable. It's that time again, ladies and gentlemen, and we got a show for you guys. Uh, first, let me introduce our normal, the normal crew, minus Romer, who could not be able to make it tonight because he's sick. Uh, everyone else from Jaxus on down, say hello. Hello, one I'm Jaxus. Hey, it's me, Gingerino42. This sassy lady. And we got, and this is a monumental day, guys, because we got our very first outside jazz. Yes. Uh, let me introduce to you the founder and all-around wonderful writer of the Modus Files, Enclave expert, and all-around awesome dude, The Operative. Hey, it's a real pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Cool. Thank you. Thank you for actually accepting my invite. Welcome my to our pleasure. land of silliness uh, and craziness. Yeah, pretty much. Oh my god, he's the guy with the voice on that other podcast. I know. Yeah. I he's know. on our show now. I'm going to tell my mom <laughs> yeah. I made it. Yes, we made it! <laughs> We're legit. That's so, uh, Gingerino, why Hi, not, before we actually get, <laughs> so, uh, Gingerino, uh, before we actually get, before Jaxus introduces us to our topic of the day, why don't you just go through, get, get our housework out of the way. Hey everyone, thanks for being with us on the show today. Uh, glad to be back. I, as I had a, well, I last episode, so I wasn't here. So anyways, what uh, we would like to direct you guys towards is our social accounts. If you want to get in touch with us, ask a question about the show or uh, suggest a topic, anything like that, you can email us at falloutrtb at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at falloutrtb. That puts out quite a lot of stuff. So uh, redirecting you guys there if you want to keep up with what's going on here and also get in touch with what's happening. Cool. So without further ado, Jaxus, introduce us into our topic tonight. All today, right. Today's topic listening. is going to be... Should the Enclave be able to rebuild and lead post-war America? As our very first guest, Mr. Operative Sir, I will give you the floor first. Okay, I appreciate that. So I think that if you, if we're kind of speaking just about the Fallout universe, and obviously we are, you know, if you think about the Enclave, it's the closest thing that we have to the former United States government, because... That's really originally what it was. It was a shadow government that existed in front of the real government, but they were the ones that were really pulling the strings. So we have the Great War, and you have you know the Enclave attempting to, well, first they kind of watch what's happening in the country, and then they want to they want to rebuild. Their concept of what they're trying to rebuild is not anything really moving forward. What they're looking at is is really trying to create the country as it existed in their mind before the Great War. So they want the corporations to come back. They want the government to be all-powerful. Um, you know, Obviously, they have access to a lot of technology. And I think what you end up having is this, and, and this is where I think you see the conflict. It's a, really a conflict between the old world and the, and the new world. You know, People that live through the war, that grew up in the wasteland, they see the enclave as literal, literal remnants of the past. And, you know, I... I and I think really it's a long way of saying at the end of the day, the Enclave is probably best set up to actually rebuild because I think they have the best plan. I think everybody else is pretty much trying to survive. It does really come down to, though, should they 
and and you know they aren't nice people. Um, the Enclave does horrible things. Um, even in my podcast, you know, I, I tell the story from the point of view of the Enclave. They're doing what they think is right, but I think morally, it's really not. So, uh, you know, I, at least in my opinion, they're the most capable of doing it. In the Fallout universe, they probably could. Morally, they just shouldn't. I mean, they're just, they're not, I mean, they, they want to kill ghouls. They want to kill super mutants. They want to kill anybody that they don't consider to be a red-blooded American. So, uh, I mean, I mean, it is interesting because I think even within the Enclave, you can talk about maybe different factions that arise. Um, but I think maybe that's a good way to kind of start off the discussion, at least in my mind, they're the most capable of doing it. But but they probably really shouldn't be the ones that do it. But you can also, and, and maybe we can even talk about some of the other factions as well, because I think maybe balancing out, like, you know, how the Enclave would rebuild versus, say, the Brotherhood of Steel versus, say, you know, the NCR, for instance, because I think it's a lot of shade of gray. But um, that's kind of me on my soapbox just saying, you know, kind of those basics there to get started. Does anyone else want to add on to that? Want to debunk or whatever? Well, I can't yeah. debunk. I mean, I completely agree with the operative. Yes, the Enclave is the former, rev- you know, um, remnants of the government. So they're going to go back to the old ways and trying to govern. And who, God only knows that the current government, well back into our past, has always pulled little strings or had little things up their sleeves to manipulate certain events. And they're just going to continue that maybe even to a larger scale because the events that they're dealing with are like never seen before. But like I had, when we started this discussion and I had said, you know, should they, you know, rebuild America and lead the new, whatever we're calling ourselves in the post-apocalyptic world, um, you know, should the Enclave, do they have our best interest at heart and should they lead us into the new world? And that I'm not so sure about, but um, you know they are capable of it again because they've done it for years, forever. But you know, should they? Well, at the same time, aren't they directly tied in a lot of ways to Vault Tech and all the experiments that were done on those people? Yeah. So that's yeah. actually a real that's actually a really good question because it's not necessarily answered in the lore because they. Uh, Bethesda has never never told us where Voltec is, and I think the expectation is that it, it, the expectation is that they're all dead. But on the Poseidon oil rig, they actually had access to maybe not all of the vaults, but they definitely had access to some of the vaults, like Vault Thirteen. Um, they were actually able to open Vault Thirteen early, um, and because they had access to it. So it's yeah. I mean, I think that that's it, it's it is a legitimate question though. I mean, how much involvement was there i think there probably was a lot but we we don't know for sure did they didn't they have surveillance and in each of the vaults to where they were able to monitor the situation as they were unfolding so they did actually and and again at least on from what we know of the poseidon oil rig they were getting data data from the vaults but they never specifically say that it's all of them um, I think the expectation was that it was mostly the vaults on the West Coast, um, and that Makes they sense. didn't necess- and they didn't necessarily mm-hmm. have access to the East Coast vaults. That does make a lot Makes of sense. sense because Poseidon's off the coast of, I think it's California, mm-hmm. and they, I don't think they would have enough uh, 
with all the technology that they had, even it, with how technological it was, I don't think they wouldn't be able to reach the East Coast based on everything being destroyed by nukes and everything. Right. Hmm. Like, like some of these, a lot of these experience experiments what i think that the enclave is mo is sort of tied with fault tech i know we're going down a rabbit hole but hearing me out here just for a minute here that that some of these experiments have the enclave written all over it like how morally like in morally sense i feel like they do like um what was the one it was the one one it was i forget the vault number but i think it was in new vegas uh, where they were it was the kill room fault, where the overseer got killed after they voted the next one, pretty much. The, I, I forget what vault. I was going to say, I think that's actually a Fallout 3 vault, because that's <laughs> the one where the they had to replace the overseer. And every, oh, they had to vote, because every year the overseer would go into that room and be executed. Uh, or or they would kill themselves. I think that's what it was, is that they actually had to kill themselves. So yeah, it was like, and then it turns out that it was just a social experiment and they didn't actually have to do that. Yeah. And it, it completely descended into chaos. So I, uh, I definitely see where you're going there. <laughs> the suicide yeah, vault. It, yes. Yes. I, I can't remember what vault number it is, but, but yeah, that vault in my mind first came to my head has the enclave written all over it, which I don't understand why it was. 11. Like, but it, ah, yes. Vault ah, 11. Yes. Vault 11 yes. from follow my favorite vault as well. I love that. Ah, one. I was right. It was from New Vegas. Point me. Oh, yeah. is it? Oh, oh, you know what? That's right, because I, I remember watching that from a... Uh, that was an Oxhorn episode I watched. I thought it was uh, number three as well. Uh, the internet tells me that it's... It doesn't like us. As we all like. <laughs> Yeah, it, they, they, don't want, they don't want us to know what the internet says, I guess. So, um, I mean, getting a question about, like, should they be able to lead post-war America? If I was... And it's like, this is clearly, I'm going to get metaphorical viewing for the position of who's going to lead post-war America again. You know, the, the one thing I would look at with the Enclave is they, they do have previous experience. And it sounds like they could have set things up beforehand in order to, you know, rebuild and lead it again so they could reinstitute the government. I can see where you're coming cool, from. But there's, there's risk involved there, right? Like the Brotherhood of Steel. I mean, that, that, they don't really care about leading post-war America. They're just there to take care of all the technology and, and kill anyone that gets in their way, pretty much. Uh, protect us from technology. I think let, they're let most us, likely to have a viable that, yes. infrastructure. Well, in quotes, protect us. In mm -hmm. quotes, protect us from all the technology. Uh, and they don't really, and I don't believe Elder Maxon would want to lead. Uh, where I'm going from... Where I'm coming from is Fallout 4, Elder Maxon, not the original Elder Maxon. Just FYI, I think the original would want to lead, but I'm saying nowadays in Fallout 4, that Elder Maxon, he... You're referring to Roger Maxon? Yeah. Yes. I'd also think the NCR, they're having their own little thing. They want, they, kind of like another history lesson with Maverick here. So before <laughs> Texas became part of the United States in our time, it was a country. After it split from Mexico. I feel like that's what the NCR would do. To be honest. Let's be honest here. Makes sense. Yeah, NCR would be on the American continent, but they'd be their own little thing. Well, no they're, they're fighting for their America. own version of power and their own ideals. So they're going to fight against the Enclave no matter what. They're not just going to toe in line. I think what's interesting <laughs> is that if you look at the NCR, especially the NCR during New Vegas, they're actually 
the closest approximation to the old U.S. government that we have. I mean, they're they're democratically elected, but if you look at the power of like the senators and the NCR, and there is a, a pretty significant level of corruption as well. I mean, they are kind of a, I would say a facsimile of, of, of kind of what the pre-war government was. And they would probably try to make a run for expanding and, and maybe even potentially if they got you know, once they defeat Caesar's, Caesar's Legion, because I think it's a foregone conclusion that the NCR would would ultimately wipe out Caesar, you know, then you might have a government in the West that actually tries to unite the country. I think on the other side, but the Brotherhood of Steel may not want to necessarily lead, but I think they would almost become like a military dictatorship because functionally they would control the capital wasteland. People... I know you can choose your faction for, for Fallout 4, but at the end of the day, the Brotherhood of Steel is going to end up controlling the Commonwealth as well, so that now you have the Brotherhood of Steel basically controlling the East Coast of the United States. I think that sets up an interesting dichotomy. If the Enclave had actually survived, if you kind of get rid of the hero, um, what is it, the, uh, what do they call it? Um, Project plot ar- No, plot armor. Because oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, you, yeah get, right. you get rid of the plot armor, there's no way that the Enclave would not have actually won in Fallout 1 and Fallout 2. I mean, that was just, I mean, they would have won. And then at that point, it does bring up some interesting ideas about what they would have done after because they uh, they have a real issue with manpower. So you almost have to kind of take the Enclave and maybe change a couple of facets of what they believe because, you know, there was only a couple of thousand of them, um, you know, even in like, even in Fallout 2. So they're not going to be able to necessarily rebuild the country that way. But if they had, say, co-opted the NCR, then all of a sudden now they have a population, potentially a legitimate government, and you could actually see them using it that as a base. If that happens, then they get in touch with Eden. Eden doesn't become president. Eden becomes like maybe the secretary of defense. And suddenly they have access to Raven Rock as well. So you can actually kind of ah, see yes. you can kind of see how they could get the resources to ultimately become something. You're always going to have the Brotherhood of Steel as kind of a um, I would say as a counterweight to them. What's interesting though is that there are enclave facilities that are mentioned in in pretty much all the all the lore that we never yeah. actually we never actually see. So we mm-hmm. know that there's enclave in Chicago, though. Yeah, most definitely. Though, Though Chicago is interesting because if you if you go back, um, so the Enclave was in Chicago when the Brotherhood moved from the West Coast to the East Coast. There were airships that actually crashed in Chicago. So we know that the Brotherhood is actually in Chicago. And there's been some writings that the Enclave and the Brotherhood actually joined forces. So there could potentially be another faction up there that could pose a threat or maybe it could even be like a nascent faction that we would all want to support maybe these guys figured out that fighting wasn't the answer and and maybe they're the good guys so you know i I, and and this is why i love writing and i think this is where you know having an open world and all of this lore to work with is fantastic because it allows us as the players to really look at all of these different factions that all have pluses and minuses and say hey you know what if this happened and if this happened and and this is really the potential because you know, it's uh, it's just really cool. And I think the Enclave as a faction is they really do think that they're the good guys. Everybody else thinks they're the bad guys. But as I keep telling people, you know, one person's 
one person's villain is another person's hero. So even mm-hmm. as we talk about this, I think that the Enclave could actually make a play for being the good guys. You know, imagine, just imagine if you are um, in the wasteland. You know, your little community is beset by raiders. The next thing you know, three or four vertebrates suddenly show up. Flying machines that you've never seen before because, you know, you're maybe like 20 or 30 years old. And this is 150 years after the bombs dropped. And they come in and they wipe out the raiders for you. Do you really care what they call themselves? I mean, they just saved you. And if they do that enough, you know, they do have a real potential with the technology that they have to, you know, make something out of what post-war America was. You know, again, forget about the FEV stuff and some of the other bad bad things that they did. But, you know, security has a power all of its own when it's if, if someone is able to provide that to you and you're willing to follow them. So, so sorry. I've, I've, I've kind of monopolized a little bit, but I'm, I'm kind of passionate about no, the topic. No, 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 you no, no, haven't no. Imagined. That's why you're here. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking of it in a speculatory about. way of, you know, why not the Enclave or a possibility of the Enclave and the Brotherhood of Steel kind of reconciling or what am I trying to say? Um, reconciling. Yeah, reconciling of their differences at that point because things have changed. You know what I mean? That's something that happened in the past. I mean, so, you know, over, you know, hundreds of years, that's no different than the United States enslaving, you know, people and things like that, that we had done in our past. If you keep holding on to those things, yeah, of course, nothing's going to happen. But if they're able to push those things aside and look at things from the perspective of where they are now, they might be able to negotiate some sort of a peace or a, a way to work together and to rebuild things and maybe into the benefit of all factions. That's actually a so, great. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. So I'm thinking before, going into Fallout 76 in Appalachia, sort of that happened a little bit between all the factions in there. And then it all fell apart. You mean I mean, because of the scorched threat, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because they were working together and then they drew back after, you know, the scorch became a big problem and they had to focus on getting rid of it. They had to save their resources. Thanks to our faction of the day, the Enclave. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Mistakes were made, things were done. Okay. We're just, (laughs) we're just, we're, 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 we're picking up the pieces now. Yep. You're right. But um, but actually, uh, so a question to you guys, um, and I would love to hear your perspectives on this. So Fallout 4 was actually the first Fallout game that I played, and then I kind of played backwards. So I did Fallout 3, and then I managed to get my hands on copies of Fallout 1 and 2. So I actually was a big fan of the Brotherhood of Steel in Fallout 4, just because I felt that they were the ones that were best equipped to deal with all of the issues that were going on in Fallout 4. But if you look at, at, at Elder Maxon, if you look at the way that he viewed just the common people and he viewed mutants and things like that. And then when I played Fallout 3, I was like, wow, you know, Elder Maxon and the Enclave actually have a lot in common. So I'm wondering if, like just what you guys just said, can you would you see a meeting of the minds between, say, a Colonel Autumn and Elder Maxon? Like, like if those guys actually got together and had a conversation... Would they without actually be enemies? Yeah, without killing each other's first. But I mean, if you got them in a if you got them in a conference room, say on the Pridwin, and you know you had and they had a conversation about what their goals were, 
I mean, I always kind of felt that the Brotherhood and Fallout 4 almost out-enclave the enclave in kind of the way that they, they treated people. But, I mean, that's kind of my hypothesis, but what do you guys think? I'm right on, I'm right on board with you right there. I, I often thought to myself, like, why aren't, the they, yeah, why aren't they getting along, really? They seem to have a lot of sales. I think the, the gamey reasons are because they just don't get along or they refuse to let the other person share power or something. Leadership ego. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like and I'm honestly, you're right. It seems like it's more on the Brotherhood of Steel side of things than follow refuse to let anyone outside of themselves have control of technology. And I think that they would look at the Enclave knowing that they have uh, they have their hand in pre-war history. They would maybe perhaps mm-hmm. blame them for how history went and why it ended up being the way it was. And so they could. Yeah, but time heals all wounds. Say, this is why we can't have them here I don't and know. why we can't get along. Yeah, I, I don't think that the Brotherhood could trust the Enclave to hold up their end of the bargain. They would just so, look at them and say, well, you're just going to... Right, and they're, like, they're just, you know, they'll just say, well, you're going to go right back to your old tricks and, you know, we all don't like, we don't want to play that again. So, yeah, that's why they're trying to keep the, the technology away from everybody is because we can't handle it. I mean, granted, in 76, we launched nukes on other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because we don't like their camp or their prices are too high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In reality, For we're the only ones that have done that in, in real life. <laughs> well, here's another question for you then. So if you, So if we think that the Brotherhood and the Enclave wouldn't get along, and I totally see your point of view there because... They're almost like two sides of the same coin, or they're they're actually the same side of the same coin, so there's not enough room, so they'd want to be kind of away from each other. Mm-hmm. What about the Enclave yeah. allying with the Institute? Ooh. I see that. That I can I, see. I can see that. I can see that 100%. Yeah. I that, mean, especially with the Institute being totally a pre-war entity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially. Well, that and their moral gray. Yeah. You know, who, who's to say yeah. the Enclave didn't know anything about the Institute pre-war? That's a good point. They could have known about the Institute pre-war. I don't know about you that. Because if they government. did know about them, as as, as inclusive, as, uh, excuse me, as, uh, what's the right term? You know, China exclusive. locking everybody off. They don't want anybody around them. Yeah. Well, the way exclusive. the Enclave doesn't <laughs> want anybody there, I would think they would see the um, institute as a threat to that. But I think they'd be interested in what they had to offer. Allying. Yeah. And or more in the terms of what they could take from them. Exactly. <laughs> that too. Yeah. Basically take what they need and leave. Exactly. Well, so here's uh, so here's kind of something. I'll throw some, throw some gasoline on this fire. So, <laughs> so gasoline, so, yes. Yeah, yeah. So CIT, the Commonwealth Institute of Technology, most of the projects that they were actually working on were government funded. So in a way, you could almost call Ooh. you'd almost they could almost have been the science division for the Enclave. Mm-hmm. And, exactly. and, I can see where this is going. Yeah. And and probably mm-hmm. the only reason why it didn't is that one, the so kind of a misnomer is that that the government knew the war was gonna happen. Like there was like they knew months ahead of time it was gonna happen. It was actually kind of a surprise. And of course, we don't know who dropped the bombs first, but that's just never answered that question. Uh, some people think it was Voltec, China, uh, whatever it was. But mm-hmm. 
there was obviously not enough preparation. So I think that's where you have the Enclave actually not being able to capitalize capitalize on its strength at the beginning because they were so disorganized. And it took them, you know, basically almost 100 years or 80 years to actually get themselves organized to the point where they felt that they could go. So they didn't have the ability to connect with the people at CIT that ultimately would become the Institute. Now, imagine if maybe there was maybe a little bit more advanced warning or the war wasn't quite as bad, or you had the Enclave actually establish a presence in the, if maybe they would have a base in the Commonwealth before the war, they didn't. But if they did, I could definitely see the Institute actually not being the Institute, but being like the Enclave East at the beginning. Because functionally, if you think about what they're looking to do and in creating the senses like a slave race, that's that's enclave almost a hundred percent. So it's yeah. y- you got to you got to do some mental contor- mental mental contortions there, only because again you got to draw a lot of you know squiggly lines that don't necessarily line up with game lore. But you know they maybe they are the faction that's actually the best. Maybe they are maybe in Fallout Four they are actually what the enclave would have been if the enclave had survived. Hmm. Some nice gasoline must be premium. <laughs> it just blew my mind. Very expensive. Yeah, it's very expensive right now. But yeah, no, I I see where you're coming from, and it's very plausible that that could have that could have been because you know all those CIT projects, government funded enclaves, the government, well, the shadow government, boom, you know, something like that could happen. It makes a lot of sense, and it, I think it sets up. Uh, a lot in the lore as well that perhaps one day actually join forces because the institute clearly does not have a lot of high regard for the people of the commonwealth i mean considering and whatnot and <laughs> replace them with since spoiler alert um that'd be really <laughs> that's a really good really good point actually i never considered a lot of sense yes it does or at least i allying not like not like a not like a solid relationship where they're this one and same, it'd probably be more of a love hate relationship, but you can't overcome it or a parasitic. Um, it, it could also be one of those, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Yeah, it could be one of those too. Well, so the best way to take over a faction or a group is usually from the inside. The easiest way mm-hmm. to do that is to get are, buddy, are we, buddy are with them. Talking and about way in. soldiering it. Yeah. You know, Hydra inside shield. Spoiler alert for whoever hasn't seen Captain America Winter Soldier. If you haven't already, <coughs> something's wrong with you. Well, there's also the point where they wouldn't have a reference to know what you're talking about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's true, too. Yeah. I mean, just the way I look at it is like, so when when this whole thing was brought up, I was sitting here thinking to myself, well, the Enclave's got a lot of shadiness to them. But at the same time, they have the infrastructure and elements that would be very possible. And you only really got two obstacles in your way, you know, Modus and uh, the president. You eliminate those two. And if you're vying for leadership, you could take that faction and turn it into whatever you wanted to at that point. You know what I mean? I mean, oh, a lot well, of the, why did you just say like Modus and the president? Those are the two major leading factors. Uh, well, uh, besides uh, Colonel Colonel Autumn. Yeah, but that's but that's later on. I mean, it's it's um, it's actually interesting because it's oh, but um, 
Yeah, I mean, the <laughs> interestingly enough, I would actually expect that the Institute would be better equipped to infiltrate and eliminate the leadership of the Enclave because oh, they, sure. would just re- they would just replace them with synths. Exactly. Which they you know, the, one uh, robot for another one. <laughs> they would they would paladin dance that up. Yeah, well, the Enclave's not <laughs> just Modus. Well, I have, plan- I, I, I have plans that explains what happens to him. No spoilers. Definitely no spoilers. <laughs> Ooh. Hey, Mav, is it about time for our commercial break? All right, folks, so- welcome back. We've been discussing, um, should the Enclave be able to rebuild and lead post-war America? Well, right now, what we're looking at is kind of playing with the idea of possibly having other individuals there to uh, see how they would handle that the say uh, uh, Brotherhood of Steel or maybe the Minutemen or one of the other factions is how we think that they might have handled the situation. Thank you, Jaxus. Uh, so, again, as our guest, would you like to go first, or do you want one of us to go first? I mean, I'll go first just just really quickly because I'm going to pick. Um, I'm actually going to pick the Brotherhood of Steel. Uh, I'm kind of envisioning what they might do, and. Just very quickly, I think that they would actually have a good opportunity with the right leadership to ultimately reunify the country. But it, I don't necessarily think it would be a country that we would want to live in because I think you would almost have a uh, – it would be a, a, a almost like a religious technocracy, um, very much where the knights would become your – you know, would become the, like the leaders of the various settlements and they would really, you know, really push down on the common folk. Um I mean, you but, mean but like again, governors, I mean, like in Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. They would be like the moths. They would be, you know. So actually, I think the Brotherhood of Steel might actually come, might start looking very much like the Empire because you would have, you know, you'd have the Elder in charge. You would have the, you know, the Paladins that would be running their individual territories. But you know, they have all the advantages. I mean, they've got the power armor. They've got the Pridwin. They'll probably build more of those. They've got the Vertibirds now. Um, I mean, they are truly a threat. And and their leadership doesn't seem to want to, you know, they got really lucky with uh, with Elder Lions, I think, in the Capital Wasteland. I think their leadership actually does more veer towards what Maxon in Fallout 4 is. So I could see them reunifying the country. I could see it being a really bad time for most people. Um, but But if you look at the advantages that they have, they have all of the advantages of the Enclave. Almost none of the weaknesses because they don't have a small number of people. They actually have a large number of people that they bring into the into that faction. And, you know, I mean, what's the NCR going to do if the if the Brotherhood goes west? You know, I mean, how are they going to fight against vertebrates? How are they going to fight against, you know, multiple Pridwins? I, I just don't see it. But it's, you know, so that that's kind of my take. Like if you extrapolate what the Brotherhood could would become... It's not a very pretty picture, but I could see them reunifying the country. Hmm. I was looking at it from the Minutemen's point of view as just because America was founded that way. If you look at it from the perspective of our past, when we were going up against England, the, the creation of our own armies and things like that, and our own formation of our own first government, I mean, we created a government that never existed before, why couldn't we do that again? You know, with the same fervor and uh, tenacity that the American people showed then, let's just say that they still had that fervor and tenacity within them 
somewhere down deep that they couldn't do the same thing over again, even though they were outgunned, you know, just like uh, we were back then. I like love it. Basically, Re- Revolutionary War Part 2. Precisely. Yeah. I like that. I can see that possibly happening. If Preston Garvey gets off his butt instead of sending up, sending us. Somebody to, just uh, needs to put two in his head and we can move on to our new uh, George Washington. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yep. Sorry, He's too indecisive to actually be here. a leader of anything. <laughs> Yes, here, here on the Fallout Roundtable, we do not, most of us, two-thirds of us don't like Preston Garvey. <laughs> two-thirds of us. <laughs> okay, let's continue. Uh, Gingerino, <laughs> who would you choose if you haven't already chosen? I believe I already kind of... Uh, yeah, I would, I'm still kind of leading towards the NCR just because I think in the long run, they would be able to maintain power over the people. And I think that that can discount that. I, you know, I know a lot of people don't like the NCR in Fallout New Vegas. If you talk to them, they have their gripes about them. But I don't think there's any really rebel against them as much. I, I don't know. It's been a long time since I played Fallout New Vegas. But, you know. Uh, mm, I'm still going through it. I actually kind of find Fallout them the most likely to end up working with. the. Yeah, well, I mean, they wouldn't be able to take on the game from the east out west in full force. Like, the, what's going to stop that, right? But I mean, I don't see the Brotherhood just taking over and killing people left, right, pe- left, right, and center simply because they can. Like they're out there trying to acquire technology and obviously grow. To a point though, as their influence becomes more and more saturated throughout post-war America, that the people would really not be willing to stand. For, and then they would kind of, they would have this infighting and they would have instability from within their own systems. And I think NCR is an average person that that wouldn't become as much of a threat. So that's, that's my reason for the NCR, but that's assuming that they do survive something like the brother with the disillusionment of the brotherhood of steel. It's very possible that they could have been indoctrinated into whatever faction come through too. So if it ended up being the NCR or the Minutemen or whatever with as much internal turmoil that the brotherhood of steel always seems to have, especially with their leadership, you very likely might be able to pull that faction into, you know, kind of just allowing themselves to be indoctrinated after they've, you know, made their way halfway across the country. It's like, well, they pretty much own the country and they see themselves being pushed out. They might choose a different path. I think that's definitely possible. I mean, if you think about it, you know, if you, if you take the idea of reintegration, you know, the Brotherhood for all intents and purposes, is almost like a branch of the U.S. Army. I mean, they were they were started by deserters. I mean, for good reason, of course. You know, I'm not going to say that that wasn't a good reason. But I mean, you know, imagine the Brotherhood becoming almost like the Marine Corps of the NCR. Who you know, they, you know, so all of a sudden you have. So, I mean, I think that that's maybe where things take a better turn is that you come to an agreement where, you know, the Brotherhood can still pursue their they're wanting to get their hands on technology. They negotiate a compromise with the NCR that really dangerous tech gets kept out of the hands of just regular people. But, you know, they're not quite the, you know, uh, jackbooted thugs that they are, you know, maybe in like, say, a Fallout 4. Um, and then actually, if you think about it, you bring in the influence of the Minutemen. The Minutemen could actually be a really positive influence on, say, the Brotherhood that they see the people arming themselves, protecting themselves, and and not being really a threat to what the Brotherhood wants to do, 
So, I mean, you can almost say that a melding of these factions could actually get the country in a much better state and maybe even closer because the country in the Fallout universe is really not the America that we're that we would want to live in. Um, but maybe in that way, you actually start building a country that is based upon true American values and not necessarily kind of the, the really warped values that that we find pretty much through all the different factions. So that's kind of my th- th- two cents thrown out there. And heck, if Mr. House gets on board and decides that he wants to support that, hey, you know what? You you could end up with a really good, ha- really good ending this time. Well, you got to remember that the Brotherhood of Steel did start on a high moral ground. They just kind of corrupted over time. Like any good thing, really. Yeah, I mean, that their whole concept was like Roger Maxson's like just disgust with the old FEV thing and everything that was going on there. That's what pushed him towards all this. And that was his moral high ground. And then the whole technology thing just, I think it kind of got out of control. Yeah, and I think long term, that would be their downfall. I mean, I mean look how many of steel we see already within the lore. As they expand across the entire country, like, I don't see them being able to hold on to them all, really. Hmm. Yeah. Take that. Well, I mean, and, and that's kind of, you know, if you think about it, you know, the generations are going to be closer together after the war. People are going to die earlier. So stories and and kind of moral lessons that and, and even the writings of, say, Roger Maxson at the beginning, you know, the Brotherhood looks at that and they suddenly take on a more religious aspect. And it's no longer about hey, we need to preserve this technology so we can rebuild the country, it becomes we're preserving this technology because it's our mission. And they don't realize that that's only the first part of the mission. It's you preserve the technology and then you rebuild. They're completely about doing nothing but preserving the technology now. A so lost it's kind perspective. Of, yeah, so they, they perverted that. The Enclave was kind of the same thing. They wanted to rebuild the country but then you had people who were like, well, but ghouls aren't people. Well, yes, they are, but no, ghouls aren't people. Super mutants aren't people. Therefore, we have to kill them, not realizing that if they had just modified their behavior and the way they looked at things, they could actually be viewed as the legitimate government. I mean, of all of the factions in, in Fallout, I mean, the Minutemen are probably the closest to, you know, kind of the true ideals. I mean, the NCR has its advantages, and I agree that they're the ones most likely to to kind of move forward. But, um, you know, but they suffer from a lot of corruption as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is getting to understand where they think that they're going to, because I think a lot of them are living kind of in the moment and not necessarily looking at what they would do 50 years down the road. So, I don't know. They do Just remind me a lot again. of uh, early colonial America. The Minutemen, that is. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, isn't that much what they're based behind, though? Yeah, I mean, it does make sense. I mean, they're in they're in the they're in Massachusetts, where the Minutemen were founded. So, I mean, they're 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 <gasps> actually look going back way back to the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't know, I, and and I'm curious. Do we think that Fallout Five will actually take place before? say maybe a Fallout 4, so would we get something kind of in between Fallout 76 and, and Fallout 4, so somewhere in that range, or do you think Fallout 5 is actually going to take place in the future and maybe we can see, as players, what the country might look like 
maybe say 50 years after Fallout 4. I was hoping... (laughs) My personal hope is for the former. I would love to see kind of... I would actually integration between something pre-war and then post-war. Like if you kind of almost played two stories simultaneously, I don't know how they could do that well. I feel like the trend though for a lot of these games is to continue on through the history. So I feel more likely it'll be you know, 50 years in the future, the, the latest iteration of the games. I just, I just feel like that's the direction they keep moving forward with. Cassie Lady, I know that you wanted to say something. Yeah. Well, I was, the, I was just going to say that I would like to see something that is maybe not as near to post-apocalyptic as 76, but not as far out as, as 3 or 4. So that's something that's kind of in between, you know, like, see what because, you know, all this, like, Appalachia is never mentioned anywhere. So it's why, true. why is Appalachia never mentioned anywhere? What happened to, mm-hmm. you know, everything that, that they went through with the Brotherhood, you know, coming all the way to Appalachia from the West Coast and then dying off and now coming back, you know, what happened that we don't hear about that in three or four? I know. That's what I was I know, I, I know exactly <laughs> what happens. Yeah, because you write it. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. It's not fair. It's not. It's not fair to hold all this burden with you. You want. You want to bring it out with the world, but you can't. You got to keep it a secret. I understand. My, well, my mind's always blown when I read a script and I'm like, oh, we're doing that. That actually <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, actually, I, I, I will just a just a little. I'm not going to I'm not going to reveal anything, but I was I was meeting with the cast just recently and we've actually come up with a name for what post-war Appala- post-war Appalachia gets called. So so we've actually even thought about what if people referred to Appalachia, what they're actually going to be calling it. So we figured that out. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. And since we stepped into that area, uh, I just wanted to, uh, let's take another baby step in there. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I got kicked in the mouth just now. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. That's what we do here. This is what, that's what we do in the fallout round table. We kick people in the mouth and we don't ask questions. I, no, I, I mean, I mean, what do you? I mean, it, what would you like to know? What, 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 what can I add to the discussion? Well, actually, I was going to ask you um, if you would like to let everybody in the audience know, like, a little bit about what it is, because not everybody knows what Modus is or anything of that nature. Can you let them know a little bit about yourself and what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so I am the the writer, producer, editor, and also narrator for the Modus Files, which is a Fallout. Uh, Fallout slash Fallout 76 audio drama podcast. So if you're familiar with, you know, kind of those story podcasts or audio books, it's very much in that flavor. Uh, the story that we're telling is based on kind of my thoughts of individuals that have left the vault um, of 76 and they find uh, the White Spring, which is a resort inside West Virginia. Underneath the White Spring is a government bunker that was actually the enclave in Appalachia, and it's run by an AI called Modus. So that's where the Modus Files comes from. So it's a multi-season audio drama telling the story of these characters as they go through Appalachia. They experience 
um, stories that occur in the game, but there are stories that we're coming up with ourselves. And it really tells the whole lifespan of exiting Appalachia, newcomers coming in. So that's the expansion that they did with Wastelanders. And then it's going to continue on. Um, we have four seasons planned. We're at the very beginning of season two. Episode four is actually in the of season two is in the process of being completed. And we will be releasing that on Monday. Um, I'm actually writing episodes 11, 12, and 13 right now. Um, we think season two is probably going to be about 30 episodes. And then, you know, we're going to go on. It's it's really cool. You can find us on Spotify, uh, iTunes, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere that you'd find podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Modus Files, M-O-D-U-S Files. Um, we also have a website, www.modusfiles.com. We have a lot of art on there and uh, also our episodes. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, we love the Fallout universe and we want to tell a really compelling story based on a rebuilt enclave. So we're actually telling the story from the perspective of what most people would consider to be the bad guys. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Let's go to bad be able, guys. Woo! Yeah. So to be able to show that people sometimes do incredibly bad things, but they think that they're doing them for the right reason. So it's a, it's a really cool way for us to be able to tell what I like to think is a really cool story and just so happens that sassy lady here has provided voices for us uh, as part of the podcast. And uh, certainly we'll probably be asking her to do some more voices in the future. Excellent. It's been a pleasure and an honor. And it's my pleasure to work with such an awesome community of fellow creators like yourselves who are just adding and I think an, to an incredible community. So it's great to have you guys as well. Oh, uh, well, made, I can that, say that for myself, my I love listening to your shows. I mean, I, I've really enjoyed them. You know, I, I originally was brought in from uh, listening to the Chad podcast stuff, and I found your show, um, you know, just kind of swimming around on uh, Spotify and Audible and things like that and found your show, and it, it captured me quite quickly. I was really enthralled with what you do. I'm definitely a fan. He's a heck of a story writer. Yeah, one of these days I'll actually have to publish publish these scripts because uh, there's so much that I can't actually get into the podcast um, for a variety of reasons. <laughs> um, one other problem is that, I, that, that it's easy to write characters, but then once you actually go to get them into a podcast, you realize, oh my goodness, I actually have to find somebody to voice that character. So suddenly a podcast that started with two or three cast members, now I've had episodes that have had 15 16 sometimes 20 people doing voices and it's it's a lot of coordination so you have to be careful sometimes and i've i've actually written characters out because i was like you know what i i just can't i i can't find somebody for this person so i'm just i'm not going to put them in there so oh that's that's i mean i i think that's commonplace in any transition yeah. to film to anything of that nature you're always going to have something that's not going to be able to transition well from one to the other yeah. So this is great. I love talking about Fallout as you guys probably have more than more than heard this evening. So oh, well, we, yeah. Oh. That's we what we do that. here. <laughs> we we yeah, talk yeah. about Fallout. Here, here, oh, we sit here in yeah. silence. <laughs> yeah, yes, we sit here in silence and we think about Fallout. We try to do it yeah. mentally. It's so much fun. So I guess it's coming to the end of the show. Probably the most because we always go over somehow. I am incredibly grateful for you coming onto our show. It was an yes. honor. I, I'm really happy you came on. 
Oh, no problem at all. I, I know that this was postponed once, so uh, so I'm very happy to be here. And uh, I would expect that I would definitely love to return at a future date as well. Excellent. I'm glad to hear it. You don't think Excellent. we're that crazy in knuckleheads. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, we didn't yet, drive anyway. another one off. Yeah, we didn't drive them away. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you'll become a friend of the podcast. You never know. Oh, that would be great. I'd like to have a guest. That would be nice. Friend of the podcast. Comes on, it seems like, every other week. You gonna take us home, boss? Yep, I got us. Uh, so, uh, it's been a pleasure. This has been the Fallout Roundtable. Uh, if the uh, rest of you guys, uh, the normal crew, minus Rome, Romer, which I hope he gets better for, and I hope he's, I'm pretty sure it'll be for next episode. Uh, so, Jaxus, if you want to give us, again, the socials. You can follow us at, on excuse me, not at, but on Twitter, at FalloutRTB, or you can send us an email at FalloutRTB at gmail.com. Uh, and with my comments about my email, my personal email, yes, everything still reigns true from last episode. So, Yes, he's a little different there. <laughs> yes, I, I, yes, yes, I have a lot of business stuff. So, uh, operative, uh, I hope we'll let you get back to the, to your, to Appalachia, to the White Spring, say hi to my favorite people, the Enclave. If anyone else wants to say goodbye, this would be your chance to say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Come again. Bye. Yep. This has been the Fallout Roundtable again, and I've been your host, Maverick. Thank you for joining us here at the Fallout Roundtable. For showtimes, please check the details below. And if you would, please help us by writing a review and leaving us five stars. Thank you, and good night. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. When a wasteland detective and a vault girl cross paths, no criminal is safe. You're both under arrest. Don't move a muscle if you know what's good for you. Based in Bethesda's Fallout series, follow Walter and Bunny as they traverse the Texas Commonwealth and New Vegas, busting big crime rings. We'll need all we can to expand into Vegas territory. And surviving anything the wasteland can throw at them. It's him! It's the Mothman! Featuring a series of nail-biting narratives and guest stars from across the Fallout community. It's anybody's guess what thrilling case is up next. War never changes, does it, Bonnie? No, it certainly does not. True Vault Escapades, a Fallout audio drama. Available anywhere you get podcasts. Podcasts.